Thank you. That's so awesome to be here with you tonight, guys. I just pray that God really gets the glory here tonight and that He speaks into your heart and that He speaks into your life and that, that life change will start to begin tonight in your life. And so why don't we trust God for the word tonight? Why don't we just stand surrendered and let's trust God for the word tonight? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, that your word is truth. Uh, it's your authoritative word, Father God. There's nothing else that is more authoritative than your word, Father God. And we ask you to speak into our hearts, Lord. Will you turn or our lives around in the areas that need to be turned around in, Father God. Will you bring down the obstacles so that we can enter quickly into your presence, Father God. And I pray that your word doesn't return void, but it activates our lives for your purposes and your glory. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. While you take your seats, look to somebody next to you and say, it's good to be here with you. I'm trying to... Uh, for a moment there, I thought the iPad wasn't going to work. I was like, please, Jesus, let this iPad work. Come on, we're going to read a scripture together, and it's out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17, and I'm going to kick that off uh, this evening, and it is our opening scripture, but it's also our last scripture, so I'll get to the point of what I mean uh, out of the scripture, and so that's from verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Come on, we're preaching on our series. Well, not our series. It's our topic called identity. How did you guys, anybody here this morning enjoy the message? It was really good. And I think we've been preaching. Andre and Leanne just felt that we want to preach into helping people in the season. So we preached mental health last week. And we're preaching on identity uh, this week. Um, yeah, a funny story with identity is... Um, um, I got a mistaken identity the other day, went for a haircut in uh, Malpus uh, at one of those barbers, the, the, the kind of Mediterranean barbers, and I sat down and had a long conversation with this guy because I cut my hair there often, um, and we were talking about soccer most of the time, and he, he, he said to me, I, said, I was trying to tell him, oh, before, like, this is how I want you to cut my hair, and he said, no, 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 I know how to cut your hair, I cut your hair all the time. And then he took this blade and started shaving my hair off. And I was like, this guy doesn't know who I am. And it was so funny because right at the end, we ended up cutting my hair. I thought, we might as well just go for it now. And at the end, as I'm paid now and I'm walking out, he says to me, bye, Andre. He thought I was Andre Kreef because he cuts his hair at the same place. And that guy thought I was Andre Kreef. I thought in that moment I should have done something naughty like running and stolen a gel and run away. And like, <laughs> but um, sometimes people can mistake in our identity, but sometimes I believe we can mistake in our own identities. Um, and what I mean by that is there's an old Indian story that actually goes six blind men get called into an area where they need to describe um, an elephant. Uh, but they're blind, so the only way that they can describe the elephant is by feeling the elephant out. And so the guy starts by taking the leg and he goes, oh, it's a tree trunk. And then the second guy starts feeling the tusk, he goes, oh, it's a pole. The third guy goes, the tail, oh, it's a rope. Long story short, they continue until a guy with sight walks into the place and actually goes, well, it's an elephant. Now, that's kind of a strange story, but it's an illustration of how incomplete our view and understanding of ourselves can be sometimes. Yeah. We're trying to feel our way through our identity, trying to figure it out, and it just takes somebody that can see the full picture to step into the story and change the way we look at ourselves. 
And often we make the mistake of finding our identity without realizing that in our blindness, we have seen only a tiny part of the picture. For example, if somebody plays soccer and he's a really good soccer player, he may, he may say his identity is being an athlete. If you have a pretty girl and she might find her identity in her outward appearances. But the problem is that this is such an incomplete picture. It's such a small part of your life. And so Jesus sees the whole picture. And if you ever want to understand your identity, the first place you have to go to is Jesus, the author of who you are, the understander and the person who knitted you and weaved you together. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. And so I'm going to get into my first point. It's more like a statement tonight. And the first thing I want to do is just say, every single person has a self-identity. Whether you choose to believe it or not, every single person sitting here in the auditorium have something in common. You have a self-identity. And so it is the way that you perceive yourself. It is the answer to this big question that a lot of us ask when we get into an identity crisis. We ask this question is, who am I? Maybe think about that for a moment this evening. Maybe think about who are you? Have you ever stopped to ask that question? Like, who, who are you? Do you know who you are? You see, your identity shapes how you relate to the world in which you live in. And a powerful truth is that as time goes by, you actually become the person you think you are. You know, your life starts to move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so you, whatever you are thinking you are, you start to actually become that. Proverbs 23 verses 7 says that. It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Thinking is a way of us processing the information that we have. And then our thinking leads to our feelings, and our feelings can lead to our behavior sometimes. And so whilst you, you, you're behaving in a way that you feel that this is my identity, you've got to go back to the original thought and ask yourself, how are you thinking about your identity? Yeah. And so if I can get that first diagram up. I'm going to be using an illustration tonight. It's going to be a doodle drawing, if that's all right with you guys. It's just easier for me to explain this as we go through it. But I'm going to be talking about how our thinking and our feelings can lead to other things that we believe about ourselves. Because identity describes the way you think about yourself. There is a real possibility that what you are thinking about yourself sometimes is not in line with what God's thinking about you. Some people, you know, we live in a world where, where I, I normally find when somebody's not clear on their identity, anxiety and depression is very prevalent. And people start to question themselves, start to ask themselves, they're good enough. Um, is it this all worthwhile? And these are things that people start to self-talk into their lives. It's in the same way that Gideon, when God approached him, he was the least of his tribe, but when God approached him, he called him a mighty warrior. And I believe that God's got an identity for you that he wants to call out of you. And you see, the truth is that every human being has the capabilities beyond what you even think is possible right now. Whatever you think is possible, you have capabilities beyond that. But the truth is, do you have the faith to believe that? Do you have the faith to walk that journey with what God wants to talk out in your life? And an example in the Bible would be David, the shepherd boy in the fields, gets called to fight Goliath. Why? Because he knew who his identity was in. 
He was clear on his identity and he was able to face battles because of his clearness on his identity. And so the second statement I want to make tonight is your identity is formed over a time and it's based on a number of factors. And I want to talk about those factors tonight and hopefully we can get a bit practical in this is that your identity is formed over time by some factors. And so here are some of the factors. I've put them into hashtags. I just thought it would be easier so you can hashtag if this is a factor that affects you. But one of the things that affects, hashtag affects our, our identity sometimes is who you are. Who you are, uh, what I mean by that is, what is your nationality? What is your family? What is your position? Uh, what's your personality type? What are your gifts? What are your trade? These are all things that affect your identity. It's who you are. The second one, hashtag past experiences. You see, past experiences can affect your identity, your upbringing, your relationships, your parenting, um, your, whether you have siblings, whether you have friends, a spouse, and sadly, sometimes horrible abusive situations can affect your identity. In abusive situations, somebody may have spoken over your life and told you you are something, but we rebuke that in Jesus' name, because I want to tell you tonight that you are more than what you think you are. And hopefully we will get to that, that abuse sometimes can have happened to us, but God works through us and he moves us into a direction where we can find freedom in our identity. And the last one is what you do. What you do, what's the role that you play currently now? What's your, your job? Are you a parent? Are you a son? Are you a daughter? Are you a manager, a boss, a trainee? These are all particular things on what you physically do right now. And these three hashtags have an effect on your identity. They, that how you are affected and shaped by these different factors will determine whether you have a negative or a positive self-identity. And I'm speaking to everybody here because there's not one person that's sitting that hasn't experienced something that we've spoken about tonight. And so everybody has been affected, but the difference is, is your self-identity seen as negative by yourself or positive? You know, identity can be affected by the way you view the world. The way you look at the world, what you learn from the world can actually a view. You know, there's so many people that are on trend now. So YouTube has, has, has got followings on trends and you find kids doing the strangest things uh, just because it's a trend. Remember that trend when they were putting ice buckets over your head? And then everywhere you went, everyone's throwing ice buckets over your head. Why are we throwing ice buckets? I don't know. It's a trend. It's fun. And so sometimes trends can actually lead our lives because we're actually just taking in what the world is showing us. And so I want to talk about three areas that can affect your reality. And so the first one is this, is how you view the world. The first thing that can affect your reality is your beliefs. Your beliefs is what you believe to be true. Look to the person next to you and say, what's true? Do you believe I'm talking the truth? I bet if I asked you all individually, you'd have a different answer to that. You see, what's true to you is based off your experiences, your past experiences. It's, it's the way you've experienced life. And so not all of us look at the things exactly the same. And this is why the world gets into a position. Because we're looking at the world going, what's true? That's right. That's wrong. That's true. That's not true. And we end up in turmoil because there is no one truth. Everybody believes their truth to be the Trump truth and no one can get on with each other. 
And so the second thing is our values. Your values, the way you see the world will determine what you believe based off your past experiences is what is good and what is bad. How, how things that have affected you is what has affected you in a way that things that you measure on what is good, what is bad, and the last one is behavior. Behavior is what we do, and so I believe these three factors really affect the world in the way that we see the world at the moment is because we can look at the world and start to determine what our truth is on the world the world tells us the truth is. We can determine our values based on what we see or learn or think is the greatest idea that's out there, or we determine our behavior based on this, and a lot of us get caught up on doing things and you stop down the line and go, I shouldn't have been doing that because we've been learning our truth and our behavior and our values from the wrong place. You see, every person faces an identity crisis, and so the last one is that those would give you your reality. The way you see the world is measured on those things. Your reality is determined on those three facets. And so I believe that every person at some point faces a reality crisis, an identity crisis. You may have lost your job, and so you get to a place where you thought you know where you were and where you were going and you were certain and your life just turns upside down like that and now you're stuck. Now life's not worth living anymore. Maybe your finances get ripped out from underneath you. Everything was going smoother. Your identity was clear in what you were doing but it gets ripped out. A COVID comes in and it starts to take away jobs. It starts to affect people around us. People go, I don't know how to handle this anymore. Can I continue living? These are all things that lead to anxiety, that lead to depression, because we've got to ask ourselves, what are you learning your information from? You see, the uncertainty and the confusion during a person's uh, life can create an identity crisis. And so they can come unexpectedly, and, but this is my problem that I'm trying to, trying to prove, is that people uh, are vulnerable in an identity crisis. You know why? Because a lot of us base our stuff, our lives on stuff. We base our lives on our titles. We base our lives on our jobs. We base our lives on our money. We base our lives on our cars. We base our lives on our girlfriends, our boyfriends, our husbands, our wives. We literally base our lives in things that can never give you 100% security. The world will pass away, and you've got to ask if those things all pass away with it, have you still got your identity? And so the point of what I'm trying to make is that we need to change our view. And so the first thing I want to point out here is a statement is that the real key to avoiding overcoming identity crisis is knowing who you are in your relationship to God. Knowing who you are in your relationship to God. You need to change your view. We have to change our view. And so what I mean by that is if we can bring up that slide, we need to bring a biblical view into that situation. You see, too many of us are not looking through the lens of the word of God. We're not looking at God's promises. We're not seeing that God is the creator of the universe. We don't trust God to actually do that. So we don't read our word. We live the world. How many of us live the world more than we read our word? And so the best 3D glasses, the reason I put 3D is because when you do get this, when you do get the revelation, 
you'll start to see that your life starts to come into three dimension. Things start to make sense and they come alive more than they would have come alive when you start to apply the word of God to your life. When you look at the world through the lens, and this is known in theology as a biblical world view. Everybody has a world view. But the point is the most important one is a biblical worldview because you know why? Because the truth of God's word gives us one truth. You like that, you don't like, but the God's word's true. If we can all align around the one truth, we can actually get truth in this world, we can start to see things come to fruition because we're aligning with a truth. And I believe that the word of God is truth. Hebrews 11:3 says this, it says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was invisible. It's a biblical worldview. If you want a biblical worldview, it starts with faith. It starts with your faith to cement the fact that God is the creator of the universe, full stop. And the question is, if you never get to that point and you start to question whether the Bible is or ifs or isn't, you're never gonna take the next step. And so the first thing you need to cement is your faith in God. He created the universe. His word is authoritative and it is the truth. There we go, Dre, that was just nicely planned. Did that on purpose. That's for copying my haircut. Um, <laughs> it's my bank account. You can have it. There's the pin on there. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, my identity is not in my bank account. Come on. <laughs> Listen, God's word gives us direction, guys. It gives us a direction in a world that's completely messy at the moment. I don't know about you, but everybody that doesn't agree with somebody in America starts to toy toy. It's like, we should all be wearing white. Those that don't wear white are discriminating against those not wearing white. And then, yeah, we should all be wearing pink. Let's all wear pink. And all of a sudden, we've got this world that is so confused because we don't have a truth. We don't have a direction. But I want to tell you something. God's word is our direction. It's written from the beginning to the end. The story's already been told. God is already victorious. And we can accept our identity in the thing that is confirmed, that is cemented, that is rooted but how do we keep going back to this default of like seeing the way through the world and so the eternal word of God declares and explains your identity and it's written in scriptures you know Paul actually talks about it in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 he says all scripture is said with me let's try that again well you guys are good you're with me tonight come on let's do that one more time all scripture is Come on, and he's useful for the teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verses 12 says this. It says, you can read the yellow with me. Can we do this together? We'll do it better this time. Hey, come on. It says, for the word of God is and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing the soul and the spirits and the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts, the attitudes, and the hearts. Do you see when we go back to our thinking? It judges the way you think about things. It judges the way you action on things. And what does it do? It judges it in a good way because it directs you. It sends you on a sharp path. It starts to put you in the direction of heaven. In John chapter 8, verses 31 to 32, it says this. It says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, key word there, believed in him. Remember I was saying faith. You've got to cement this. 
You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How many of us want freedom here tonight? How many of us are stuck in a situation where we want freedom? Well, I want to ask you the question, how many of us want the truth more than we want the freedom? You see, a lot of us want to be free, but we never get to the truth. We never spend time in God's word and activating it in our lives. But when we activate the truth in our lives, it brings freedom in our lives. Do you know when you are most, I was going to say this in bad English now, when you are least free, I've noticed this in my life, when I feel least free is when I'm furthest away from the truth. Just get closer to the truth. Get closer to the truth because it brings freedom. You know, Graham, Pastor Graham Evans says this, and I think it's so truth. It says, for the facts of your life can never change the truth, but the truth can always change the facts that are shaping your identity. All you need to do is ask Peter, can you walk on water? All you need to do is ask a boy with his lunch, can you feed the multitudes? You see, the facts said it was impossible, but the truth of God spoken over that situation, there's a miracle rising in that situation. And I believe that you wanna be in miracle territory, we gotta get back to the truth. Your identity is established and directed through the truth of God's word. I wanna quickly just bring up uh, two circles that I want to talk about that uh, Pastor Byron Chicken spoke about at our AOG conference, and I just thought they were so prevalent uh, for today and in our time, and then I thought I'd share them with you. But the first one is, he is talking about how when we don't have the truth of God, okay, we can get stuck in what's called the cycle of works. We start with achievement, and we feel that if we achieve something in our lives, we're going to build significance, and when we've got significance, then we'll start to sustain it. And we'll build sustenance in that. And then we'll feel accepted. This is the world. The world tells you achieve more to get more. But do you know what Jesus did so well? Before he led others, he led himself really well. Do you know how Jesus led himself really well? Through the cycles of grace. Jesus knew that he was accepted by the Father first. He knew who he was. And I just want to stop there for a second. Some of us, I think, can sit in the space where we don't feel accepted by God. We know the word is true. You're going, Dieter, I know that. I know God is in charge. I know Jesus is there. I pray to him all the time. I read all my Bible verses every day. But I want to ask you the question. Do you in your situation really believe that you are the daughter and the son of the Most High, the one who created the universe on, perf on purpose in a perfect manner? Do you accept who you are in, in, in God? Jesus first accepted that. He stepped into it going, God, I know that I'm your son. You know what a lot of us do is we try and focus on the sustenance. I'm going to do another Bible plan. Maybe God will speak to me in my Bible plan. Let me go watch Stephen Furtick. Maybe God will speak to me through Stephen Furtick. Let me go and listen to more sermons of other people's. Maybe God, and so we get caught up in doing again. Let me just do more. And maybe God, no, you need to accept more. You need to understand that in the acceptance of knowing who you are, that's when it brings the fulfillment of studying the word of God. Because then you start to confirm who God says you are and you know you are. 
And once you get sustenance, it brings significance and then achievement. Jesus started with knowing who he was in the Father. And tonight, if you really want to start in a right place, why don't you start by knowing who you are in Christ? You see, God was personally involved in all the aspects of your life. And I just want to share quick points on who you are. The scripture says, and I don't have time to do it because I'd have to keep you here for another five hours. But because the word of God is just packed with so much. But I'm going to give you a quick couple of points. The worship team can come up so long. But I want to give you a quick couple of points. And the first one is, God was personally involved in all the aspects of your creation. You, sitting here, are made marvelously. Look to the person next to you and say, you're made marvelously. You're made marvelously. And I know this. Psalms 139, 15 to, uh, 13 to 15 says this. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in the utter seclusion. You are loved by God. I know that. The Word of God says it's true. If the Word says it, I believe it. If you believe it, you'll start to believe it. And you are loved, and God was personally made. You were made marvelous. I want to tell you something about your value. This is only 50 Rand, but 50 Rand has a value. I can go and buy a coffee with the 50 Rand, right? How do I make 50 Rand lose its value? If I squeeze it, crumble it up, does this 50 Rand lose its value? Can it not be used anymore? No, if I stand on it, can this 50 rand still not be used? Has it lost its value? If I put it in my mouth and I chew on it and I spit it out, can the 50 rand still be used? Does it have value? Why would God not make you valuable? Why would He place more value on something like this that we place more value on? God has placed so much value in you. You are valuable. You are loved. He cares for you like nobody else. You know, you are God's beloved creation. You were made for good things. Do you know that He has good thoughts for you? Psalms 139 verses 17 to 18 says this, How precious are your thoughts for me, O God. Why don't we pray that together? Just as we repeat that together tonight, why don't you say it out to God? One, two, three. How precious are your thoughts for me, God? He loves you. He's thinking of you right now. He made you for purpose, and you can live that purpose out. You can live it out in the right identity. They cannot be numbered. God's thoughts for you can't be numbered. They can't even be counted. They can't be outnumbered like the grains of sand. And when you wake up, He's still going to be with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's made you because He loves you. Number three, I'm God's masterpiece. He created me for significant, life-changing purpose. In Ephesians 2, chapter 10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. You have a plan. He has a plan for you. And He wants to use you. But we got to get away from this identity and we've got to learn to submit in the acceptance that He loves us. No matter what your situation is, He's never going to stop loving you. He's always going to care for you. 
God created me in His own spiritual image. It tells me in Genesis chapter 1 that in His spiritual image, you have a look like God. He made you in His spiritual image. That's how much He cares for you. You know, like my son, when I walk around, they go, because all the mommies that want to get my sons to marry their daughters. No, I'm joking. <laughs> they always go like, they, they look and they go like, who does he look like? Does he look like your wife? Does he look like your son? Does he look like you? Does he look like your grandfather? Have you ever been in that situation where everybody's comparing one siblings? I want to tell you something. You all look like God in His image. All of you look like God in His image. You know, God predestined us to become like His Son, Jesus, because He knew that there was an eternal, uh, eternity waiting for us in heaven. He still got an eternity waiting for you. And so He predestined you. But you have to learn to accept that these plans, these promises, are yes and amen for your life. Stop looking at your views through the world. Don't wake up tomorrow morning and go, let me see what News 24 has to tell us about our lives. Let me see how Facebook has changed from yesterday. I believe Facebook, when I scroll through that thing, it's mindless scrolling and nothing changes. Same people doing the same stuff. I want to tell you something. Why don't you spend time in the truth of what God and who He says you are? If you're stuck and you don't know where you are, just get back to the truth of who God says you are. I wish I could re- keep reading all of them. That you're a citizen of heaven. That you, you, you are a daughter and a son of the Most High. That He protects you in all situations. He protects you from danger. I wish I could tell you that you are an adopted child in His, in his family. That, I mean, from here, I wish I could just go through all of them. But I want you to go through them yourself. I want you to read the Word of God and start to believe the promises that God has for it. You know what He says is that you're not just a person. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 to uh, 10 says this. He says, you're not just a person. It says, but you are a chosen people. You were not an accident. Your situation, whatever has happened, may have been caused, but you were never an accident. You've been made on purpose and for a purpose, and God chose you. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possessions, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of the darkness into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now through Jesus Christ on the cross, you have received mercy. So I want to go back to my question. Remember I asked you, who are you? Who am I? The big question that we wake up. I don't think the question so much, who am I? I think the question is, whose am I? Whose am I? Because if you know whose you are, you'll know who you are and you'll know what to do. And that's the way we live out a biblical worldview in our lives. Can we stand quickly? Close our eyes quickly. I just want to pray for two groups of people tonight. And if you are somebody tonight and this message spoke to you and you just feel, hey, I want prayer. I just want to acknowledge that I need prayer for areas. Maybe I have lived so much in the world and I just want, I want the strength to get back into God's word so that I can align with his identity for my life, that I could live in accordance to my identity in Christ. If that's you, why don't you give me a quick wave and I'll pray for you tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you're sitting here tonight and you haven't got a relationship with Jesus Christ, that first acceptance is probably your first step as well. 
It's that step. Remember, it's whoever is a disciple of Jesus, whoever believed Him and became disciples, and then they knew the truth, and the truth set them free. I want to tell you that whoever Christ sets free is free indeed. And so tonight, I don't know what your situation is, what's held you, what's stopped you from before, but tonight you are here and this is a God moment for you. You are no accident, you are standing in this auditorium tonight and I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak into your life tonight and you may be in that place where you're going, I just want to submit to you, Jesus. I want to accept this freedom tonight and if that is you and you want to choose a life with Jesus Christ, I just want you to give me a quick wave so that we can just acknowledge and pray with you. If that is you, on the count of three, why don't you give us a quick wave? One, two, three. In Jesus' name, if you want a life with Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Church, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus. We thank you that you mindfully made us that we your chosen people I thank you for the cross that as your son died and rose again through that sacrifice is the gift of salvation and we can come boldly into your throne room as we accept it and we ask you now Lord to come into our lives transform us from the inside out will you start a new thing in our lives in Jesus name and all God's people said amen come on awesome Connie's on a detail I thought the message was amazing it just makes me think back in my trick I had my art exam and I've told so many people this but I had to do four paintings I bunked way too much class um, I wasn't a great art student um, but I had friends who did double art so they were even worse than me but anyway just you know, get distracted. But um, I did four uh, paintings. I didn't have enough paint, so I borrowed paint, and I did contrasting colours, and then I did uh, distorted faces. And I said, we're so different. We don't get to know each other, and we hit each other so hard that yeah, that we we almost create these distortions in others' lives. And I drew these faces, one with a big ear, one with a big nose, and and I handed it in, and people thought, all my friends are like, you are going to fail. Okay. So we did the art, we put up our art, and uh, mine was in the corner, no one was looking at it, and everyone else, I had friends who did like six months work on a painting, and they were waiting, because you could get your art into the National Art Gallery. So then they announced the art award, and it was this girl named Clanthi Agiosa, she's actually a teacher, um, I, I don't know what her surname is now, she married to Steve, but at Tailview Primary, phenomenal, um, phenomenal girl, always so vibrant, she won it. Then I had friends who were trusting, you know, to get the National Art Gallery, and they said, but in our midst, we have a German expressionist. And three of his paintings have been chosen for the National Art Gallery. And they said, Andre Kreef. And I, I was like, I told you guys. Anyway, like, no. But um, I was like, are you sure? And all of a sudden, these people all came around my art. And I had people offer me money. And my parents were like, no, we're taking it home. It's still in my garage. We've done nothing with it. Anyway, I'm like, we should have made some money when we could have. Anyway, they were all deceived. Let's, no, no. Um, but you know what happened in the moment? The person whose opinion counted the most on that night said that my art was good and everyone else's opinion in the room changed in a second. And I want to let you know that the person whose opinion counts the most has said you're wonderful. And, and you 
have to daily let Him walk into your life and declare that over you. And you will walk freely into this world and be able to love people who are different to you because the one whose opinion counted the most has already declared that you're fulfilled in Him, you're made wonderfully perfect. You don't have to seek security out there. You're securing Christ and you're now set up to be a blessing to your world. Please give yourself that gift of letting the one whose opinion counts the most come and speak into your life through His Word. I promise you the peace of God's going to come into your life. For anyone who gave their life, you put your hand up after Dieter prayed. Maybe you didn't put your hand up, but you prayed that prayer and you meant it. We've got a salvation room. We've got counselors. You can go there. So even if you didn't put your hand up, but you want to pray with somebody, you can go down there after the service. You can go with a family member or friend. You don't have to go by yourself. We'd love to pray with you. If you want to get prayer, um, you can go down there. Or if you want us to pray for you in the week, you can use our prayer cards in the seat coming in front of you or under the chairs in the front row. And you can write your prayer request down. You don't have to put your name down. Just write it down. Um, and we will cover you in prayer. You can wake up knowing that we're covering you in prayer. We got your back. If you need any information, you can use that card. The best way really is to go to our red banner to find out about View Group or your next step. Then, of course, we've got our Christmas tickets. Okay. So we're doing on, on the 4th at Malpus three services. Over here, Tailview, four services. And then on the 15th um, of December, it's a Thursday night, Camps Bay, we're doing a sunset service. Different type of production. It's a Christmas carols night. That's going to be for everyone. You can bring your picnic. It's going to be on Camps Bay High School Fields. And it's on a drop. So you actually just see the bay. It's going to be amazing. So you can actually give yourself two experiences. The reason we do tickets is to let you know which service are filling up so that you can get tickets for the right service and so that you can invite your friends. All we want you to do is go there. There's going to be options as you walk out the door. You can write your name down and write four tickets or five because it's a family event. You can bring your kids. You can bring everyone. And you can also get a ticket for that colleague or that friend. You're going to invite. Pray for them. And you know what I normally do is I give the ticket with a gift. People, I've never had a no once I've given a gift. And those people love it. And this is a production, an environment where it's very easy to bring friends. I promise you they enjoy it. And they're going to thank you for bringing them. It's going to be phenomenal. So I encourage you to get your tickets and don't miss out on that. And then next week, we're starting a series, 21 Days of Gratitude. We're going to ask you for 21 days to journal what you're grateful for. You can do it on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or you can do it privately in your own home. But it's 21 Days of Gratitude. It's one of the ways to overcome anxiety and stress as well. It also teaches you contentment and it puts your eyes on Christ. It's going to be a phenomenal series. Do you, don't see you yourself in disservice by missing out. It's going to be a great time. And it's also going to set you up for December because I promise you, you relate way better to other people and to your family when you're grateful. But when you're ungrateful, you can have a really good Christmas bust up around the dinner table. Anyway, um, but that's where we're going to help you get you set up. So don't miss out on that. Uh, it's been a great time at church. We can't wait to see you next week. God bless you guys. Cool.